Clap once if you can hear me. Clap twice if you can hear me. So, listeners, we are going to call on you. What movies in the back-to-school vein would you like to listen to and talk about? Any movies from Ferris Bueller to Mean Girls to one of our very favorite movies, High School Musical. Please let us know any of the school-related movies you'd like to talk about. You can let us know on Instagram or Facebook or email us directly at goodfilmhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Hello, this is your producer, Haley. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to give everybody a quick heads up that we did have some issues with audio quality and some files disappearing, so some of the tracks are a little bit echoey and garbled, um, but not too bad, so Hopefully this doesn't keep you from enjoying our discussion on Phantom of the Opera today, Um, but just wanted to let everybody know before we jump in, and thank you for uh, listening anyway. Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with family and friends about some of our favorite childhood movies. Um, And today we have a very special guest, so I will pass it over to Eleanor to introduce. All right, our guest today is... I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure if it's current, current or former Marine Rory Kelly. You can tell us your exact title. Current. Uh, current? Okay. Um, so, so Rory went to Notre Dame with Annie and me. More, most importantly, he was a Kavanaugh Hall football coach. And I would say, I hope that he views that as the most important aspect of his life. But Rory, tell, tell us about, about yourself. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to lead off, off in like, like things that, that are important. I was born in 1988 and I'm a Kavanaugh coach. So... Um, but yeah, I went to Notre Dame and graduated in 2011, so I was in between Eleanor and Anne, and was fortunate to know Teddy, so got to meet all the Huntington's at Notre Dame one time or another. You were just um, the luckiest. I was, I mean, yeah, I was pretty, yeah. pretty lucky, so I mean, your mom tells me that. But, um, so you know the whole crew. Yeah, I do, yeah. And, uh... So, so I, I am still in the Marine Corps. I'm a captain. I've been in for six years. And I live in Champaign, Illinois now, and I do officer recruiting. So uh, back in the Midwest, I'm from Omaha originally, and uh, what have been trying to get on this podcast, admittedly for, for a while now, because uh, finding it pretty awesome. So uh, when Ann asked me to do Family Opera, I said absolutely. So here I am. Um, but really, first you asked um, to, about the Greatest Showman, and as someone who rewatched the Greatest Showman truly like an hour before we did this, and convinced my roommate that it is the greatest movie of all time, like you've selected well. But also, alas, okay. Yeah, so, someone else got lucky and got to do that. Yeah, someone did. That that movie is amazing. I know we're not here to talk about it, but... No, I mean, we can talk about it a little. That's totally fine. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's all good. Um, But what was I going to say? Oh, but, I mean, you also definitely could have been on the podcast for Space Jam, too. Like, we can't, like, roll over the fact that, like, I equate you with that 90s movie. And I'm totally totally okay okay with that. (laughs) Wearing a Chicago Bulls shirt as we speak, because I think half my T-shirts are still Chicago Bulls shirts. So, um, yeah, and I, I wrote a paper on that 
like, like a, a serious, serious one. one. You know, yeah, I mean, that, that movie is some real, real stuff. stuff so. Okay, so his paper was actually really good. I can attest because I have read said paper. Um, and you did a really good job of convincing me that they stole all their actual powers. Oh my gosh, this puppy's not trying to eat my headphones. <laughs> yeah, you, you got, got your, your, you got your, your playful over there, man. Yeah, like, there's, there's a, a dog, dog and a kid and just a lot, lot, lot going, going on over there. <laughs> so much. Uh, all, all right, but so, so Rory, one, one of the things that Annie really wants to do with this podcast is this thing that she likes to refer to as speed friending. And I'm going to let Annie take it from here because I find it confusing. Okay, Leo the dog needs to go away from me right now. Okay, so what was the best part of your day today? Ooh, um, I, I, I think, think it's, it's going to be this, to be quite, quite honest. honest. It, it's, it's a Monday. Monday. We're two, two for two, two on that answer. Had, uh, had an absolute Monday at work, so uh was really looking forward to this to kind of turn my day around. So Excellent. I think it's, it's going to be this. Okay, that's what we love to hear. Um, and then... What is your favorite day of the week? Rory, you're also like really, really accustomed to me asking a lot of questions. So like this shouldn't even be hard. It's, it's absolutely Friday because I'm either, it's either the end of the week or I'm driving to see my fiance. So I'm like, all right, it's definitely Friday. Right. So it's, it's always good. good. Friday's yes. always good. So I know that's okay. not a cliche answer, but yeah. Hey, own it. What's your dream travel destination? Ooh, I, right, right now, it's probably Ireland, Ireland cause I've never been there. And that's, that's also a little cliche. But if, if other than Ireland, Ireland it, it would be, mm, I would have to say, I think, like, Sweden or Norway, like, somewhere up in Scandinavia. I've never been there. Sounds really cool. Okay. That's cool. What's your favorite color? I actually don't know this. I mean, I probably do somewhere. In the deep recesses of my mind. I have to say green. This is, I know, typical Irish kid. Really <laughs> okay, I want to make another too. It's mine too. So I get it. All right, cool. Good answer. I like pink and yellow, so which probably surprises no one. Um, okay, our last one is okay. <laughs> I'm just, staring, I'm just staring at this child who's like, absolutely like, um, would, okay, Jennifer Garner or Jennifer Lopez? Ooh, dangerous question. Jennifer Garner. This is so old. Like, I love how you, like, that's a question I could have been asked, like, circa, like, 2004. I mean, I think she probably scrolled through Netflix. She probably scrolled through Netflix and she's like, all right, what movies are on Netflix right now? She saw 13 going on 30. She's like, all right, Jennifer Garner, uh, Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Jennifer Garner is great. Also, alias. For sure. So, Annie, what is our next portion? Because I'm confused since you changed the template. Eleanor, you've got to read our notes. Okay, so now we're going to discuss about this movie. So, Rory, can you give us a brief synopsis? of the Phantom of the Opera. You can make it as brief as seven words. I think that we one time did that. Or you could do like 45 minutes of the synopsis. We would much prefer the first, but it could be more than seven. Okay, so 
haiku or limerick or nothing. That's hard. That's too many rules. There's too many rules. Uh, that's, that's why I have all the rules. Oh, that's, oh, that's why? why? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Please, Please continue. continue. <laughs> so, so, so obviously this, this movie set in 1870 in Paris, and it's basically covers the story of, of a phantom of the opera referred to as an opera ghost. Um, and really it's a love story, but... It kind of circles, circles around this opera popular, this opera house in Paris. So it's set in 1870. Um, there is, so the, the, the characters are Gerard Butler, Butler plays the Phantom, Emmy Rossum plays Christine Dye, Minnie Driver is in there as the lead. I forget her title, I forget her character. Uh, and um, Patrick Wilson is Raul, who is the vicomte of the opera. So, um, the Phantom basically says to the new opera owners that he wants Christine Dye to play the new lead um, and kind of threatens uh, that bad things will happen if, it, if that does not occur. So Christine Dye and the Ross character steps up and uh, gives an awesome performance. And then um, the Phantom basically kidnaps her after that performance and confesses his love to her. Um, while Patrick Wilson's character, Raul, is also, um, has also fallen her. So they kind of uh, compete to win her heart throughout the story. Um, and it becomes kind of clear that you know, the Phantom has you know, this rough past. That, so basically, Patrick Wilson's character and the Phantom of the Opera, they both approach Emmy Ross from, I guess, some different directions. So... The movie is a competition for um, a woman's heart, but also a story of redemption. And it's tragic because, I mean, there's kind of a fallen character in there in Phantom of the Opera. So um, basically, there's, you know, the Phantom takes, you know, kidnaps Christine Dye and uh, Raul pursues them. Um, they kind of go back and forth on, you know, who Christine is, you know, is. I guess enamored with, and then at the end, um, you know, the Phantom kind of lets them go uh, towards the end, if I recall. And then the, the movie ends with them back at the opera house, like talking about these artifacts that have been uncovered, and uh, you know, kind of remembering the uh, the story. Yeah. So that's kind of a rough synopsis. become interested in this film or what was like your first experience with watching it so i did musicals in high school i did i tried out for it on a dare and as a sophomore not the phantom but uh like different musicals so i wanted to break up like i was playing sports all year round and i basically took like a flyer on it and had a blast so i did a grease and filler on the roof and a 42nd street and that was nowhere near that talented like, like they, they needed guys in these musicals so they like made it work so it was a blast and so then like like due to that like i guess pretty basic exposure to theater i could at least you know, really appreciate some um of these powerful roles like the phantom is a is a historically you know, one of the most well-known male roles in, in all theater probably 
So the movie, movie came, came out in 2004, the same year that, that I did that first musical. So it was kind of really interesting that I would see this movie. And I saw it with a group of people that were in the musical with me. So like, hey, you should check this movie out. It'll be fun. So I said, okay. Um, and uh, so it's kind of interesting that this movie um, kind of coincides with that memory of just like dabbling in musicals in high school. So... Um, and, and then and it showed me, like, like wow, wow, I have absolutely no talent. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but we need to talk for a second. Yeah. It's like, like, men in this movie aren't really known for Broadway, though. Like, I would I not say Gerard, Gerard Butler, Butler or Patrick Wilson, Wilson are particularly good singers, you know? Like, they're good actors, but they're not great singers. So you should have been like, yeah, I can do this and become a really successful actor. But I was just going to take with a different lens in the sense that neither of those men are, like, they're, they present like a different view of masculinity, masculinity than the ones we historically, or at least in, like, the 90s and early 2000s associated with musicals. And now I think it's different in large part, realistically, because, and I'm going to put this out there because this is Zach Efron, like, he got famous because of um, his musical, his daughter's musical sense. But then, like, every paparazzi picture I've ever is, like, him leaving the gym. So I think that played into it. But this is kind of the first one of that. So we have Hugh Jackman, but then there's still all those rumors that kind uh, of, like, swirl around Hugh Jackman um, regarding sexuality. So this movie, I think, is important for changing the landscape of the men we associate with musicals. And like, Charlie like, like, hasn't done a musical sense. I think he went from this to the 300, right? <laughs> Which is like an anti musical. He did. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Phantom, so I love this movie. Um, I always have. I was like, so I was cleaning my mom's house today and of course ran across CDs like from high school that were like titled Unpaintable Basement Number Three because our basement would not be painted. Um, but anyway, on it was a lot of Phantom of the Opera. And so it was pretty funny to think back at how much I liked it and how I almost like can't sit through it now because the Phantom is creepy AF. Like, let's just put it out there. Like he gets Christine as like a child and is like, let me help you become an excellent singer. And then I will make you really famous and then I will steal you for myself. Like that is the creepiest storyline. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's really, really creepy, creepy, but um, it's people, people always have, I think the, the music is always what leads in a, in a musical. It doesn't excuse like that, that creepy character, but it's why people take a little longer, I think, to get to that part of the character because they don't necessarily want to see that in the character because that whole, you know, some of those songs that even lead up, like in my opinion, you're just kind of like, okay, this guy is obviously, he's got stuff going on, but you don't, you're not really creeped out until you see the statue of Christine, like in his lair, right? You're like, well, okay, I'm creeped out. Because before that, there's like three or four awesome songs, which are just like historically, great you know and are pretty pretty fantastic right and then you get to that point you're like oh no like that's so unfortunate that you're creep and i it kind of changes things you know um and uh so yeah that's like the character is definitely creepy 
Um, but, but I think, I think with musicals, musicals we, we, we tend to, you think about the music first, um, and then, then you, then you get, get to that character and you're absolutely right. right. Like it's, it's uh, a, he's definitely, definitely a creep. Um, and, uh, but you, you don't, don't, you know, if, if there, there wasn't music in that movie, people would say, wow, like that's absolutely a despicable movie and a despicable character, but the music really is deeper meaning, I think, to the character development. So you, you want to give the Phantom a chance, even though it's pretty oh. I think so the music like, like, makes him more sympathetic, is what you're saying. I think it advises you, advise like, capital with the audience a little bit, where the music is so fantastic, where it gives, it gives, it almost gives the Phantom the benefit of the doubt, even though as you're watching, you're like, okay, wow, this is, this is not okay, right? Like, um, but, uh, I don't know. It's 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 definitely not debatable that he's a creepy character. Um, I think it's it's kind of interesting that I do think that the music plays into your opinion of him and your interpretation at least initially, and maybe maybe you're reluctant to admit that to yourself. I don't know. So, um, but yeah, and then it becomes like okay, Raul is you know your wholesome character that you want him to win, but then. The Phantom is just, you know, the center of everything. So, and then, well, no, this baby is, obviously. <laughs> no, she's like about to touch a bunch of keys. <laughs> oh, hey, what's going on? Can you wave to the key? Okay, so Rory, what's your favorite song from Phantom? Um, I think it's, it's close between... Um, just the, I think, I think, I think it's called, called the, the, I think it's, it's called, called the Phantom of the Opera, Opera and then Think of Me, pretty, pretty close. I would put Think of Me very similar to A Million Dreams from The Greatest Showman. Oh, it's, it's like a lighter song in the beginning that is basically a coming of age song for Christine, and then A Million Dreams is that in The Greatest Showman. So, yeah, so, so kind of similar, similar where, and then you get, get to the Phantom of the Opera title song, it's just this, you know, heavy guitar, heavy drum, badass male lead song, and you're like, all right, that's, that's, that's a pretty awesome, awesome song. Yeah. Hey, are <laughs> Sorry, I over head. What are your thoughts on Masquerade? Did you ask your first sound so, I mean, yeah, yeah this, this is, is take it away. away. What's, what's your, you know, what's your answer? <laughs> no, 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 Um, I mean, didn't that, didn't that get, didn't that garner the movie like a, an Oscar nomination for costumes? Wasn't that the scene that kind of pushed it over the top? There? Yes, possibly. I mean, I think the only Oscar nomination for this was the best original song, which was the song that they had many drivers singing over the credits. Because all of the other music was not original. Um, and they had Beyonce sing it at the ceremony. I remember that too well. Um, but you know, it makes sense that they got that Oscar nomination just for the costumes. I mean, it's, it's a simplistic musical in the sense that there's like clear light and darkness. And then we see that in the costuming, we see that in the plot itself. 
Point no return, I think, is the best song. Because, like, it's, like, super sexy, and they're, like, up there, and she doesn't know who she's singing with. And then they have the three parts. I don't know. I, point no return. That's a, that would be the highlight song. Okay. I would have to agree with Eleanor on that one. I always thought that was, like... I don't know. The melody was just and then not realizing that she is okay. Okay. <laughs> now I'm unmuted, and I'm saying that I 100% agree with Eleanor. I always thought that that was that song was so. I don't know. It was it was hard to not want to keep listening to it, and that's what I love in musicals is like the one song in each one where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't stop. Like I know for me, in terms of. Um, Wicked, that was like defying gravity, right? Where it was just like, I could listen to that song on repeat. And the point I know, Return Man, it's just so sexual. And, <laughs> and also, also, it was like, like a 12 minute song. song. I, remember I remember this very specifically from the studio album, which, which we definitely had on CD. It was, it was a, a long song. song. A, lot a lot of the songs in this were very long. long. I, think I think all of these songs, songs were on my like, like Generation One iPod. Oh, yeah. How could they not be? Yeah. But that was it. There was no room for anything else on the iPod to put all those songs on. Yeah, it was just... I think that we can connect, because I know that you two both love The Greatest Showman. Eleanor, you say it incorrectly. I will always say that. Um, the showman. The showman. Um, but... Like, this was kind of in, in that phase of resurgence of movie musicals, right? Because, like, we had had at this point High School Musical, but there, that hadn't been, like, wide released. Am, Am I, I correct? correct? No, we hadn't. Because that, that was January 2006, 2006 and this is 2004. Isn't it scary, Rory, how much Eleanor knows about this? Particularly High School Musical. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what it is? Earlier she was talking about, like, paparazzi. It was like, Eleanor, you took that photo of him leaving <laughs> No, no, the, the, I would say the biggest musical, contemporary musical prior to this was Chicago. The Richard Gere, Catherine Zeta Jones, Renee Zellweger one. But, but people didn't really like, like that, did they? Yeah, it won like a million Academy Awards. We didn't like it. And sometimes I think we can play our opinions with like girls. I mean, Eleanor, we're always right. I'm always right. I don't know about you. Um, oh, shade. I, I throw shade left and right. Okay, so this is a question kind of for both of you because I know Annie has become obsessed with the television show Shameless, and Roy, I don't know your thoughts on this, but how do you feel about the kind of career trajectories of the main people in this movie? Because we have... Emmy Rossum, who at this stage was kind of viewed as like a kind of classy up-and-comer. And then since then, she's very talented, but her primary role note has been on Shameless. We have Gerard Butler, who kind of like spiraled out and was in like very bad rom-com movies with Catherine Heigl. And then we have Patrick Wilson, who kind of went the indie route, but in my mind is most notable for being in the one episode of Girls, where... Lena Dunham refuses to leave his house. Um, and, and I know, know that's, that's an episode that makes Annie, like, furious. Um, but do you think that... And I know this is dealing more with legacy, but what do you think was the impact of being in this movie on these people's careers? 
I, I think, think that's, that's a really interesting, interesting question. question. I mean, <laughs> Gerard Butler goes from this, maybe does something in between, but then really resurfaces in 300. So every every high school male, college male, especially at that time, like Gerard Butler is a Spartan and is a badass. And then you're right, he, I, he did some of the rom-coms. I, can't, I couldn't name a movie he was in. Since then, I think he was in another thriller, um, like Law Abiding Citizen. I think he was in that. He's also in Olympus Has Fallen and London Has Fallen, okay. and I love them. That's exactly what I was about to say that he was in. And he was also, yeah, he was in a really bad uh, rom com with Katherine Heigl. It's one of the movies that's, that's on like a Saturday afternoon and instantly changes the channel. That's exactly. All I it's not good. I don't, I don't know, know what it is or what it's called, but. Whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, okay, okay I, guess I guess I would rather, I would rather watch it. Um, so, with Any Awesome, that movie was the first movie I saw any of them in. So you're right. Because kind of, then, then you see your Chain list, and you're like, oh, well, you see all of her Chain list. And you're like, wait, I thought you were Christine Dye and like, the Angel Music and stuff. Why are you, why are you acting like this? Um... And then, yeah, Patrick Wilson, you kind of set it up, kind of went indie route. So, I think it's really interesting that like, what else was going on when they were trying to cast this movie? You know, what other offers were these actors and actresses getting? Like, I, that's kind of interesting to think about because it's kind of to make a, like a sports analogy. Remember in 2009, we were all under name. And, and we beat Nevada in the first game of the season at no, no, Notre Dame Stadium. We, we killed them. We beat them like 35 to nothing. And then that year, we ended up going 6-6, six and six, and Nevada ended up having a great season. And at the end, somebody for ESPN looked back and said, here's some weird scores looking back. And they were like, how weird was it that Notre Dame beat this Nevada team that ended up having a really good season? And Notre Dame season wasn't that great. And it's a little bit like the Phantom of the Opera cast. Like, they kind of scatter. You look back and you're like, how did that happen in 04? And then you look kind of at what they've all done since. It doesn't exactly make sense. That is quite an analogy and one I would have never thought of. Um, okay. Yeah, that was really incredible, right? I think that was a little bit of <laughs> okay, so this is another point, though, is we consider this movie to be popular because this movie was popular in our social circles. And what is something I have realized since college graduation is that this is a movie in my mind that seems to have been popular only in Catholic high schools. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Right now, yeah, yeah, the sound of music playing all the way for this child that's running around here. So, um, yeah, 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 that's probably that's, that's probably, probably a good a good point. point. I mean, how how many of those you know kids who go through Catholic high school, you know, I was one of them. You're kind of raised like with musicals because musicals are generally safe. You know, especially like with, with big, big families, like I'm the oldest of six, so when you're growing up, like there's only so many things that everyone can watch. And and if Julie Andrews was in it, it was probably okay. So like you, you watch like a lot of musicals because you know that was family friendly. So I knew a lot of musicals just because of that. And I'm sure I'm not 
alone in that. But I knew what Phantom, Phantom of the Opera, Opera was uh, because, because my, my mom was interested in musicals and because she kind of, you know, used those, uh, you know, uh, movie nights to, to keep everybody involved. So I think it's relevant, at least in my experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies where I think it was very popular, but then I'll mention it kind of in the casting. People have been like, hmm, I never saw that. And I was like, what do you mean? That was the only thing people watched as sequelers for like a year and a half. Uh, but alas, different strokes for different folks. That was, did you see Labor? No, I have not seen that. See, it'd be Should talk about this movie because this is one that you offer. So, what is the context there? 
Yeah, no, you're right. I did offer this um, to Rory to talk about. Well, so Rory is like, uh, for listeners, is a very, very dear friend of mine. And at one point in our friendship, I was like super annoying. And I'm pretty sure I sent him every question that had ever been on my brain about anything. (laughs) And I think one of them was like, what are your favorite movies? And it was obviously at that point Space Jam, but you definitely also said Phantom of the Opera. And I remember being like, that is something I won't forget. Um, And then you like... And then I learned what Rory was talking about before about how he had been in musicals in high school. Um, and like, I had always been in musicals in high school and that's how I came to this movie too. So I don't know. It just like in, in my brain, you are connected to Phantom of the Opera and Space Jam and now The Greatest Showman. Like, like that's, that's a, a crazy, crazy spread. spread. Like, it like is. Space Jam and Phantom of the Opera is... is- hilarious that people are going to hear that in the same sentence. It's true. I mean, how do you feel about Mighty Ducks? I like the original. I thought they tried too hard after that. I do. I think, yeah. I mean, am I kind of into this fully or is this, you know, Yeah, I think D2, they just went, they just tried too hard. Like, they knew what they had and it was just it wasn't, it wasn't organic. organic. Like, like the first, first one, the first, first one is more like, like they, they think they're, they're making a sports movie. movie. When you, you watch, watch the first one, one like they, they don't know that the audience was going to fall in love with this like hockey team. And then, and then the second one was about like them being goofy and kind of playing hockey. Like, like the first one, they they literally thought like, we're going to make a hockey movie, and they did. And like at the beginning, the intro is sets the stage for that. Like. It's, it's like, like eerie music about like, and you can just, just like feel the ice chips kind of thing. Like, like watch, watch the intro again. again. It's like, you think you're watching it. I saw it last week. Don't worry. Yeah, you're watching, it's like you're watching an intro to like some serious sports drama. And like, the D2 is like, oh, we're wearing rollerblades and we're going to make the same jokes in the first scene. And then we're going to just win the world championship. Like, they, they, they took too big of a bite. I thought the first one was like, all right, it's realistic. You have a go to. Is recovering from screwing up, which most people can relate to. And coaches is a team. It's a coming of age story. They don't try too hard in other parts of the plot. And they beat this, you know, this Hawks team. And the coach gets to exercise a demon along the way. And it's just like a feel-good story. And then I thought that the second and third ones, they changed. They were not about that. They were about, oh, we're just going to kind of focus on the ducks and then and squeeze it for all it's worth. So I like the original ones, but that's kind of me as, as it is. Like I'm entertained like everybody else by D2 and D3. But I thought the first one was like pretty cool because they didn't realize what they had. Okay, that's fair. You're a purist. I get it. Yeah, for sure. But it's so good. Anyway, um, okay, so as we begin to think about our last thoughts, um, would you recommend this to kids today? Like, should people still be watching this? Should they be queuing it up on Netflix or whatever? Um, I don't think it's on any streaming platform. Is it? it? It's It's on on Netflix Netflix right now. Oh, well, I stand corrected. So should everyone be watching it this summer? Like, where do we think it fits into life today in 2018? Who's going to answer? Eleanor? Okay, in my mind, it's 
kind of trashy, which is like one of the joys of it. So I remember the moment it's like a good hate watch, and now that I'm older, I want to like hate watch it with like a bottle of wine and a drinking game. Like, can you imagine a drinking game with a red wine and this movie being like a fabulous time? That would be my takeaway. That I think is the legacy of this movie. I guess, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the most famous you know, musicals of all time. So watching it, you know, recommending it to somebody is like recommending like, Hey, you should read 1984 or, you know, the, the slaughterhouse vibe. So, so it's, it's you're right. right. It's, it's not, not like, like it, it might, might not be your favorite, favorite but I, you, you know, know it's, it's one of the the, the most notorious or famous musicals ever. So reading, you know, watching it would, I guess, bring you up to speed on that and get you an educated opinion. Um, yes. Also, maybe I have. A, I should catch it. I might have a color view of this movie because in 2012 I saw. The Android Weather sequel musical to the Family Hour called Love Never Dies, and it was trash. Right. Maybe that's why I only associate it with trash. I have heard that that's terrible. And that's, isn't that like playing in Chicago somewhere? It's still lingering. It was. It was playing in Chicago. It's not playing anymore, but it was yeah. playing. Um, I think there's a couple like contemporary points where you know you have a female character that is uh like, like throughout the film, film she's like indecisive right she's like picking between the phantom and raul and that's, that's not, not really what we teach today right, right? Like, like you know like like, like a young, young women there aren't taught that that's normal and granted the movie set in 1870 um but uh still you i think, I think you, you watch, watch it today and you're like okay why you know, why are they, they making this female character out to be, you know, indecisive, right? I don't know. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, it's, it's a classic story, I guess. I mean, um, we, we talked about some of the creepy points, and those are all valid. But I guess, like, the music will probably withstand time. It already has. Um, so for that reason... You know, you, you could say, say yeah, yeah, you know, take, take a look just so you, you're you familiar, but no, it's, it's not going to be something that if you don't watch, you'll, you'll be worse off for or something. I don't know. I think that's probably fair. Whereas if you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, you're not. Okay, so, Annie, did you have more to add on the legacy, or how would you want to wrap it up? Um, so, I do. I, I think that this is a fun movie for kids in high school I do find it very hard to watch again as an adult that being said I mean I don't think it's harmful you know like I think it's kind of fun I think that I think for one movie that we podcasted about before I said it's like the perfect movie for like a high school sleepover and I think this is the perfect movie for awkward high school drama kids to have like a sleepover and be like, oh my gosh, look at that sexual tension. Will they ever overcome it? Um, that's kind of where I feel like it lives now. And it's not a bad place, but but that's where it lives. Um, okay. Ugh. 
to finish up today, we always talk about what our favorite pop culture thing of the week is. So, who would like to start? I can't, because, because I, I have, have two. two. One <laughs> is... <laughs> so, so, my, my friend, friend Ariana got, got me, who's been a frequent guest of the podcast. She got me the Hallmark Channel Meghan Markle Royal Wedding DVD set, which is a DVD collection of Meghan Markle's Hallmark Channel movies. So, so I watched those. They, they were pretty, pretty great. great. Additionally, the Netflix original movie set it up is really too entertaining. Okay, agreed. I watched it last night, enjoyed it thoroughly. But my pop culture pick of the week is definitely the new up, the new season of Queer Eye. It's good. It made me cry. Oh, and the documentary I saw yesterday. So I have two, too. Yesterday I saw Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about Mr. Rogers, and it was really good. So, Rory, how about you? I think mine aren't exactly specific to this week, but uh, in the last week I watched Dallas Buyers Club for the first time. Really awesome movie. I'd never seen it. Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto. Leto, Leto, Leto. Um, that one uh really really awesome movie um and then my other point would be just waiting for the last season of the americans to get on amazon prime because that show is awesome it's about in the 1980s between the soviet union and the u.s it's by far my favorite show which is probably predictable but like i think i think most most Critics actually, actually agree with that statement, statement though, because it, it's got an awesome oh, yeah. um, they love, they love So It's not just, a, you know, it's not, not just me saying it. It's really awesome. Uh, and then, and of, course, of course, the Bulls have the seventh pick on Thursday, and we're going to blow it again. So that's oh, really yeah, cool. like last year, what, what a stupid choice. But, you know, maybe we'll do better. Will I watch? Yeah, I'll watch. Good, good. Well, Rory, thank you so much for finally coming on. We definitely need to get you on again. Um, I feel like when we finally do Space Jam, there's going to have to be like 10 guests because it's such like a beloved movie and you will most definitely have to be one of them. I would okay. add that almost every single boy boy that we offer to be on the podcast has been like, thoughts on, is something we've done? But kind of surprisingly, none of them have followed through. <laughs> Here's, here's, here's my, my guess at how that white boy, boy list looks. Uh, has, has anyone done Space Jam? Uh, has anyone <laughs> done Wedding Crashers? Uh, has anyone done Black Hawk Down? Uh, has anyone done Old School? That's, those are my four white boy choices. Okay. So then I think in the next time we have Rayon, we have a white boy movie Could get messy in a second, but always lovely. 
Thank you to Rory Kelly, our guest. Thank you to Haley Bopre, our producer. And to all of our listeners, and you can find us on um, iTunes and Stitcher and lots of podcast places and on the internet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Going wild, wild now. now. So, so I, I have, have to, to run, run but, but bye. See ya. Yeah.